Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where we aim to give you critical and easily applicable leadership concepts to help you along your journey. I'm your co-host, Scott, and I have the privilege of talking about life and leadership with the owner and founder of Rising Tide Leadership, Dr. Michael David Morales, aka Mo. Hey, what's going on, Scotty? Always good to be here, man. Let's talk leadership. Absolutely. So in prepping for this episode's lead-in story, I immediately thought of a time where I wasn't taking care of myself, and and you actually reversed that and challenged me to think about a time where I was actually the problem, um, which was... Uh, <laughs> a different way to think about things. And and you sure. always say that leadership is about focusing inward. So let me tell you a story. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but in college, I was quite the avid line dancer. Uh, <laughs> All right. We used to have this place that we went to um, where I went to, to college and it was called Stoney's. And on Wednesday nights, they had this thing called Stoney's Rock and Rodeo. And it was the diviest dive bar that you've ever been in. Like I'm talking, you weren't really sure if the building was condemned or not. Like the dance floor was wooden, <laughs> but all the floors around the dance floor were dirt. Yes. Um, not all the lights always worked and, and they served your drinks in paper cups. And so just to <laughs> okay. kind of set that premise of where this was. Um, but anyway, we used to go almost every Wednesday. So we had a group of us that would just love to go and we'd go for hours and they ran music until about midnight. Well, the mm. kicker is, is that... My senior year, I ended up having a 7.30 a.m. class on Thursdays, so the day right after this, Stoney's Rock and Rodeo, line dancing. <laughs> and I had a great roommate my senior year, and I always encouraged him to come. So I was that individual that was like, hey, like we're going to go. You should come. And he'd be <laughs> like, no, I don't know if I want to. And you know, I'd be like, wow, you're, you're being a wuss. Like, you got to come. You, you need to <laughs> yeah. come. And we, we always regretted it the next morning. Um, but we continue to do it as college students always do. Uh, but it, it never was easy to go to class the next day. Always hard. Yeah. But what I didn't understand at that time and the reason that I was the problem is my roommate chose not to go that often so that he would be redder, better rested for that class the next day. Right, he chose yeah. not to go that often so that he wasn't falling asleep during lecture um, or yep. so he could study a little bit more or review things before the class. And he really prioritized, for the most part, sometimes, you know, I can be a little persuasive, uh, but he did really prioritize taking care of himself. And in today's fast paced and really ever changing world, focusing on the well being of your team is more crucial than ever. We've seen right. major global shifts from the cost of living um, to political turmoil. And, and these changes impact everyone at every level, every social demographic. And really, especially those who work remotely. In this yeah. current episode, we'll explore the three main points that highlight the importance of well-being focused leadership. So Mo, how the heck are we supposed to survive just this madness and, and how do leaders take care of their people? Yeah, well, uh, great leading story as always. And uh, you're right, we should always be focusing inward and knowing that we are the problem. So leaders, thanks for tuning in today and knowing that, man, you are the problem. I'm the problem. That's why we got to figure this out because our people uh, deserve you know better. And so when we talk about uh, well-being and taking care of people, uh, here's the first point, Scott. The first point today is we need to address the need for well-being. 
And this first point really um, is about understanding that the workforce really is a lot different now, even after COVID. And, you know, the way that people do work, the way, the way they do life, the way that they take care of themselves or don't take care of themselves. In fact, here's a stat for you. The uh, American uh, Psychological Association says that 70% of Americans or more uh, don't take care of themselves. And almost 40% of them um, think that, you know, they, you know, there, there's a lot of things going around that are affecting the them not taking care of themselves. And so, Scott, these statistics that we see that how many people are not taking care of themselves, it really shows that there's an unease in why leaders, you know, really need to address this issue. Yeah, those those are some staggering statistics. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know that that sometimes the need for well-being is not always an obvious one. So then how can we as leaders be more attuned to the well-being of our of our workplace? Yeah, there's there's an article um, by Gallup, and it's called "The State of the Global Workplace," and we'll put that in the show notes. But it shows that uh, almost sixty percent of workers in the U.S. and uh, Canada uh, they have regular stress that really impacts the way that they perform and their satisfaction at work. And so, leaders, we need to understand that there's a real cost in the workplace for this stress to be there. And so, with so much money being spent on stress and taking care of of people's well-beings but it still just always seems that it's not really being addressed to its 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 capacity uh we need to be well-being focused as leaders because scott it's not just a nice to have kind of thing but it's it's a necessity if we want to take care of our people yeah, it almost seems like high stress would be like directly linked to profit losses for businesses. If I'm if I'm kind of understanding you correctly, so um, yeah, it does. Great, and great Scott, and- if I can if I can say this, but before we move on, you know, leaders, yeah. if you don't if if you don't get in front of well being for your people, they're going to find out other ways to do that. And what's going to happen is people are going to start acting out in ways that you don't really like. They're going to start. Uh, not doing the things that you want them to, uh, because really, if you are not focusing on your people, if you are not doing the things that help them to get better, and Scott, we talk about people getting better all the time on our show, but it, leaders, if mm-hmm. you're not helping them do that, and part of this, a huge part of it, is addressing the need for well-being, then your people are, are just they're, they're going to get burnt out. And Scott, we've talked about talked about burnout. Uh, a lot on on our show, and I can tell you that the men and women—it doesn't matter what where they are, what their workplace environment is—if they feel burnout, it doesn't matter how much they're getting paid, what kind of impact that they feel like they are making on other people, they just want to give up. And I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. leaders: if you do not take care of the well-being of your people, they're going to go somewhere and find somebody who will help to take care of them. Now, I'm not saying that you need to baby people. That, that's that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, anybody who does coaching with me, Scott, you know this. In fact, we just went over our, our, our 2024 goals, right? You and I. And anybody mm-hmm. who does coaching with me does yearly goals. I don't care if you like goals or not. You're going to do them. You're going to write them <laughs> down, right? Because, you know, but Mo, that's not my personality. I get it, all right? But you're going to put down your goals because I want you to look at the year and, and the the year before in, in retrospect 
And did I meet the things that, that, that I did? And a lot of that has to do with the well-being. I'll, I'll ask people, did you take care of yourself? How was your family life? How was your work life? How was your boss, your supervisor, the people that you supervise? And then I'll say, based on that, Scott, how do you want to do this this year differently? What do you want to do the same? And what are you going to do to help your people get better? And I'll tell you, if you've ever actually sat down and, and written out your goals, Scott, let me ask you a question. How has that changed you uh, by writing out your goals to take care of yourself? And um, how has it helped you to take care of others that rely on you? Yeah. Uh, well, first and foremost, writing out your goals actually makes them like solidified for you. So, you know, it's not yeah. just one of those like, oh, I'm going to do this. It's it's actually having them written down. So that is right. foremost, the number one thing that has been the most helpful for me is it's not trying to remember, man, what were my goals, but actually writing them down. The other thing too, that uh, especially with, with the way that you helped structure uh, or helped me structure my goals um, is organization. So it's not just what's your goal and then saying your goal. It's what are your, is your yes. goal in these areas and trying to actually think about, Oh, Oh man, what, what are my goals in these? What are my financial goals for this year? What are my emotional yes. goals for this year? Like, and that has really been kind of a shift and a change. So, but it's been great. Good. Yeah. And uh, if we can just close off this point by, you know, um, if I can talk directly to, those who have filled out goals with me, it I'll, it actually asks you to name certain people, right? Within those goals, who has most impacted you in the past year? What are the, the things that, that you need to say to somebody else that you haven't done? I mean, those, so you're actually asked in those goals about being taken care of and taking care of other people specifically. And then also, you know, what you're going to do specifically in the year to come. So if you've never done that um, and, and you have questions, um, you can always reach out. I'd love, I'd love to help people with goals, especially those who uh, don't believe in them. They say, I'm not going to set goals because whatever. I'm telling you, if you do the exercise and you do it right and you do it with, with the right people or the right organization like Rising Tide, we will help you to make goals that are good for you. And I'm telling you, it'll help you to, to take care of people better. So all that to say, Scott, Move us to move us to point two. <laughs> no, I mean Mo, just take us take us take us right in there. Just go straight into point two. <laughs> good good transition. All right. So uh, <laughs> point point two is this. You know, after you address the need for well-being, it you know, leaders, you have to promote well-being as part of your team culture. Okay. You, you've got to integrate it with everything that you do. Leaders, you should be promoting this in your organization all the time because leaders can foster a culture of empathy and support. And what this is going to do for you, leaders, it's going to provide resources and hopefully programs. If you don't have some kind of program that integrates well-being into your culture, I mean, that you're, that's already a whammy right there. But your employees need to know how to manage stress, specifically in your team culture. How do they do that, leaders? For you listening out there, how do you help your people manage stress actively? How are you actively helping them? What's the program that's in place? And you need to be a part of them maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Now, we always hear that, work-life balance, but I'm telling you, people love to use that as a buzz term. Man, what's your work-life balance? And I'm telling you, Scott, most people don't do, do it right. And leaders, you need to emphasize the importance of recognizing that employees who are happy 
and employees that are healthy are going to be more engaged and they're going to be more likely to perform at their best. Yeah, so then, Mo, if you could, what, what does it actually look like for a leader to have that healthy work-life balance? Yeah, good question, right? I mean, if that's the buzz term, right? You and I have talked about that a lot. So when it comes to work-life balance, um, you as a leader have to lead the way. I mean, that's just what, what it is. We're always telling people that they need to slow down and take some time for themselves, but nobody actually wants to listen to, to their own advice, right? And so um, let me be the first to tell you that you need to both take care of your people and yourself. But let me tell you a, a great story of, of a book that, that I love. Um, it's by Bill Walsh, who's the renowned former head coach at the San Francisco 49ers. And he has a book that I've read more than once, and it's called The Score Takes Care of Itself, My Philosophy on Leadership. And this is what he says in there, and I quote, you must be willing to account for a person's emotions and state of mind when you judge his or her actions. Frequently, we misinterpret behavior because we don't allow for exceptions, I'm sorry, explanations other than what is the most obvious. We don't look below the surface. Here's an example from my own experience. During my last season as head coach, I began suffering from emotional and mental exhaustion brought on by the demands and the pressures of my job that had been building up in my mind for several years. The inner toll uh, this took is indescribable. It became almost torturous and manifested itself during the last months in becoming increasingly uh, uh, sentimental about things and at times maudlin. All of it was, of course, related to exhaustion. I mean, Scott, end quote, <laughs> Scott, that's, that's from a Super Bowl winning head coach. And if this guy is dealing with mental and emotional trauma and the things of what it takes to, to, to be successful, but at the same time, take care of yourself, then it's, it's going to affect all of us. Because the crazy thing about this is that if you read the portion of that book where he just, that I just mentioned, he goes specifically right after that into an, the interview that he had the day before Super Bowl twenty three, um, which they would end up winning, right, against the Bengals. But during that interview, a reporter had asked him a question um, about his emotional state of mind at that point in the season and regarding his team and what he thought about everything as, as it was coming to pass. He was so emotional, Scott. In that interview right there, asked that question that caught him off guard about being drained and, and, he, and he was spent. Um, he, he said mm -hmm. if he would have said one word, he would have had a nervous breakdown. So instead, he just gets up and he walks out of the room. And so later on, <laughs> you read that the, the reporter and a whole bunch of other people said that he was an arrogant person. He thought he was too good to answer questions and he thought he could do whatever he wanted. And people just, they had no idea. They had no idea what this guy was going through. Now, was it his fault? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously he needs to take care of himself, but but they had no idea and they were making assumptions because, Scott, there was a whole lot to unpack. But here's my point. It doesn't matter where you are in life, leaders. If you have the responsibility to lead people, it's going to get tough. And whether you're leading a team to a championship like Bill Walsh was, or if you're just leading a small group of people in your office at work, your leadership matters. People are going to think about you, what they want. And they're not going to know the deepest parts of you all the time, or maybe even ever. And I think Bill Walsh, if he could go back, would do probably some things different, right? Because now he, he you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But, you know, I, I'm figuring he, and he even says this, I, I would have practiced self-care more. And so, Scott, really the question for our, our, our audience today is this. Are you practicing self-care right now? 
what do you need to do to change so that you're better ready to serve the people around you? Uh, definitely, definitely. So I know oftentimes when we talk about kind of what are some of the changes that you need to make, I know sometimes talking about different workplaces, one of your th- suggestions is, well, maybe you need to leave your workplace, but not all of us <laughs> yeah. are necessarily in a, in a place to do that. So what advice do you have for those who maybe cannot leave their current workplace, even though it's not promoting well-being, support, or any sort of work-life balance? Yeah, that's tough. And I had that conversation, believe it or not, Scott, with people all the time. And the bottom line is this. If your current workplace isn't promoting your personal well-being and the, and the well-being of others around you, like, uh, Scott, if you're the only one that, that's not, at, 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 uh, for our listeners, if you're, if you're listening, you're like, well, I'm the only one who's not, you know, taking care of myself and, and my personal well-being is bad, but everybody else is good. Well, then you ought to think about other things because it's probably not the place. It's probably something that you need to change. But let's just say that you can tell that it's not just you, but it's everybody around you. Your workplace just isn't doing it. Then I'll tell you this, you need to get out. And if you can't get out now, you're just like, Mo, like I, I can't do it. You know, I'm listening to your show and, and man, I, I wish I could leave, but I just can't do it. Well, you need to start an exit strategy now because you don't want to be one, three, five years late, later down the line and be like, well, man, I wish I would have started to get out because I'm still in the same place. So the bottom line is you, you got to start looking for, for, for another place to work because you need to work for somebody who knows that your well-being is important. And if they're not doing it now, then they're probably not going to do it in the future. So no matter what, what they say, and everybody likes to talk about doing the right thing, but sometimes people, Scott, just don't, aren't going to do the right thing. So listeners, if you're in a place right now um, where, uh, where, where, where you feel like you're not being taken care of and others are not being taken care of, start making that extra strategy. It's really important. So so how do you know whether you're doing things right or not? You know, how, you know, Mo, how do I know if I'm the problem or not, right? Well, of course, Scott, uh, I always say extreme ownership, right? So you always want to take ownership. Yes. But, <laughs> and Scott, you know, I drive a pretty hard bargain because I, I hold myself to a high standard. I, I hold my, my people to a high standard. But part of that is I want to make what's, uh, I want to make life the best for my people as well. But if I am not in a place where I'm being taken care of and I don't feel like, I, like I'm taking care of myself, how can I take care of a, a, other people, right? And so, you know, the, he, here's, here's the problem. There's, a, there's perception, Scott, and there's reality. And too many people say that they want to take care of themselves, but, you know, then they, they really just don't do it. And, and I don't even know how yeah. people can, can get away with that because it's going to start to get to you. So... You know, if you're if you're out there listening, you got to have a standard for for yourself, and you have to hold that standard. And if the people that that are supervising you are doing a, a good job, they're going to know when you're taking care of yourself and and when you're not. Because you know, I Scott, I said this all the time. I don't judge people by my standard. I judge people by their standard. But again, you know, as a leader, you know, you need to know that this is the message to your people. You need to reiterate to them again and again that they need to take care of themselves. But Scott, if you're not taking care of yourself, right? If our leaders are out there not taking care of themselves, I can tell my, my people to take care of themselves as much as I want. They're going to say, Mo, you're not taking care of yourself. So why would I listen to you? You don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm always taking care of myself. I want to make sure that I'm doing my best to get better. I rest when I need to rest. I work hard when I need to work hard. But when I'm in a supervisory role, um, my people need to know that it's not even really about the quantity of work. It's about the quality of work. I want people who are going to put in not just time, right? Because um, 
like okay here here's it here is for for those of you who don't know uh, all you young people out there there's a great movie called office space <laughs> peter uh, peter in there uh says says this he famously says to the bobs the bobs are these guys that are brought in to to essentially fire a bunch of people that that, that aren't uh that, that aren't needed right they're downsizing they're right sizing so they bring in these these consultants and, and it's bob and bob and so peter pretty much just tells the bobs uh, what he's actually thinking. And he says, I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real actual work. <laughs> and anybody who's worked in an office knows that's old, that's old enough in their thirties or forties knows that line. So the secret to getting things done is to stop judging people on, on the quantity of work they do and judge them on the quality. I always, whether it's, whether it's a, a team that, that I have um, of, of young people in sports or if it is my own company at Rising Tide, um, or if it's any other supervisory role that I've ever been in, I tell people, I'm like, I just want you to get it done. I'm not going to micromanage you. Like, you know, you need to get done, get it done. And, and you can ask me questions if you need help, but it's your job. And I trust you because if I don't trust you, I'm not going to have you there. But Scott, I'll tell you this. I always make sure that my people are taking care of themselves. And I will ask the hard questions. <laughs> and if you're listening out there and you've been under my my supervision before, you've gotten this question. I'd say, and I will, and I will bring up specifically things such as, "Hey, the other day when I said this, you made this grimace on your face. What did you mean by that?" And I'll make them answer. But usually, it's like, "Well, no, you don't understand me because of X, Y, or Z." And right there, Scott, I'll usually say, "You know what? You're right." And I apologize. And, you know, you just need to know that this is what I was thinking. But Scott, I'm trying to be communicative with my people. And you know what it always comes down for, for me, Scott? People are used to saying, Mo, you say that you want me to do it. I'm just trying to do it. And essentially, that, that's a nice way of them saying, Mo, get out of my way and let me do things. And every time I do that, Scott, and I just focus on giving my people what they need, then they do their best job. So I'll, I'll leave point two with with this question, leaders. Here's here's um, some free chicken. As uh, one of my uh, one of my chaplain, uh, my army chaplain mentors told me. So when it, he, he, we had a folder and it was called free chicken, and he'd say, "Write this down. This is some free chicken." So for our listeners out there, here's some free chicken. A great question to ask people under your supervision at the end of your meeting is this: How can I help? What do you need from me? so that I can help you get done what you need to get done. And Scott, if our leaders ask that question, how can I help? What do you need from me? Your people will tell you. And when you start having that uh, reciprocity in, in, in talking, then it, go, it, it turns from a monologue from you to them to a dialogue. Yeah, that just made me think about all my past jobs that I've held and just thinking, how many of my supervisors actually asked that so not not many <laughs> yeah. if, if you were curious so uh but mo sure. why don't you go ahead and take us into that final point for today yeah final point is this leaders you have to make well-being a priority now and it's not just the, the it, without the word now it, it doesn't drive it home so you need to make well-being a priority now so leaders you need to know the importance of making this not just a priority but a top priorities okay leaders from from doesn't matter what industry you're in, you know your job is to collaborate and develop strategies and, pol and policies to prioritize employee well-being, people that look to you, anybody who is under underneath your supervision. 
because Scott, leaders find strategies to help people um, and teams feel better about what they do. And when you can do this, leaders, it's going to help reduce cost, it's going to improve, improve productivity, and it's going to help your team achieve high levels of performance. Man, yeah. So then, Mo, what are kind of some practical things that our leaders can start doing tomorrow to make well-being a priority? Yeah, I'm just going to give you a couple. And here's the first one, and, and, and it's a big one. You need to take a day off. And uh, leaders, whether you're religious and call it a Sabbath, um, or if you're non-religious and you just call it a day off, I don't care what you call it. You need a day off. You need to disconnect from your phone. You need to disconnect from everything. And you just need to, to, to do something that... <laughs> and Scott, you know, that, that, that might be different for me or you, because for me, um, a, a day off means that I turn on smooth jazz on my television and I, and, and it's nice and low and I got a cup of coffee and I read for eight hours and that's a great day for me. But Scott, you're probably sitting here cause I know your personality and that, that probably sounds like the worst day of your life. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> I mean, you do you, but that sounds absolutely terrible to me. So <laughs> I'm more of a get outside, go on a trip, have an adventure type of individual. <laughs> absolutely. And and listeners, you know, whatever it is for you, whether it's, you know, a, a quiet cup of coffee or, or, or climbing a mountain uh, or surfing or whatever, whatever people like Scott do, because that guy just has way too much energy. Um, you know, what, <laughs> you got to take care of yourself, right? And so um, there's a guy named Brian Tracy, and I've read a ton of his books. If you've never read anything from Brian Tracy, pick up anything that, that he's, that he's uh, written. But um, there is an actual article that we're going to put in the show notes today, and it's called Productivity Tips, Be More Productive with Less Effort. And what he talks about in here um, are, are some things that are really simple. But I'm going to give you um, – so, so pick that up. Read through that article. It's going to really help you be productive. Um, and do more with, with less time, and you're not going to have to read a whole book. But if you um, pick up any of his books, he's going to actually teach you how to take care of yourself. So that being said, after you've read some, some of Brian Tracy's books, Scott, <laughs> which are on the top 50, <laughs> there's another book that I want to talk about um, before we get done here. And it's not just on my top 50, but it's in my top five leadership books that all leaders, I think, need to read. Now, the top five are pretty, they're pretty solid. You know, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is definitely, it's probably number one, right? But in the top five always has been a book that I haven't mentioned in a while. And here it is. It's called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Betcher. And that book is about how he raised himself from failure to success in selling, right? That's, I know, it's a shocker, right, Scott? That's the name of the book. But but it's great because in that book, Scott, he gives a great uh, a great tidbit about what he calls a self-organization day. And this is a day where he puts a significant amount of time aside to get ready for the next week. And that day for him is Saturday. And you say, well, Saturday, well, why Saturday? That's the weekend. Well, because he says most of us haven't worked hard enough to earn back our Friday, because usually that, you know, you would do that at the end of the week, but most of us have to work Monday through Friday to get things done, to be able to earn a day off. So Saturday is his self-organization day. And that's where he looks ahead and he makes sure everything for the next week is good. And he says, when you start doing that, Scott, that self-organization day is going to make you so self-organized that you're going to end up being able to get your work done in four days. And then you're going to be able to make your self-organization day Friday, which now means you don't only get one day off on the weekend, you get two days off. And for Scott, 
that means he can do all the things. I mean, he can take his family <laughs> to the beach. He can go uh, you know, climb a mountain. He can do it all, right? And so that just gives you more time. But leaders, what, what Frank Betcher is saying here is you need to earn that because most of us, and, and this is, this is the, the hard reality of it, people out there listening, most of us haven't worked hard enough to earn that extra day of the week. So sometimes your self-organization day probably needs to start on a Saturday. It did for Frank Betcher. And it, it still, it, and it has been for me for years. And sometimes it moves to Friday, sometimes it doesn't, depending on how productive I am, right? But what Frank uh, wants you to know, what Frank Patrick wants you to know, is you need to get better and you need to be better self-organized and take care of yourself and make that a priority. And the way you do that is you organize your life. Now, Scott, that's coming from somebody who is not an organized person. I am not good at this. But I put for a significant amount of effort because I need to be organized. For those listening out there that says, oh man, I'm good at to-do list. I'm good at next action list. I'm good at, hey, you are you're already starting on first base because you're way ahead of most most of us out here that, that aren't good at making lists and doing those kind of things. But Scott, I guess what I'm saying is this. If you make well-being a priority now, it means being more organized. And so Brian Tracy and the things that he's written, whether it's in that article that, that I just mentioned or any, any of his books or Frank Betcher and what it means to organize and situate your life and get ready to take care of things earlier than later, that's going to put you in a position to take care of yourself now. Scott, when our leaders do that, the people that follow them are going to see the way that they do life and they're going to say, man, I want to be like that. I, I want to be like Scott. He, he, for some reason, he's always got lists. He's always got things done. He's, he's organized and is causing me to want to be organized too, because Scott, you're going to help people raise, you're going to help raise people to that standard. And as we say at Rising Tide Leadership, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm, man, that should be on a plaque on a wall somewhere, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> It might be. Mo, before we sign off today, do you have any final thoughts for us? I mean, it, only this, you know, leaders, a lot of people talk about uh, well-being, and I would say make this the time in your life where you actually put forth a plan to take care of your own well-being. And then after you've done that, invite the people that look to you for your leadership into that process and help them. When they see that you are taking an interest in their well-being and you want to make them better, not just in their productivity at work, but in their life as a whole, I'm telling you, you're you're going to get a friend for life. That's great. That's great. And to just echo that, just for our, our leaders and our listeners, so remember you're fo- focusing on your own well-being isn't just for the benefit of your team, but it's vital for the success and sustainability of your organization. And with that, everyone, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you guys enjoyed listening today, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to share. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next time as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next time.